Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. My guest today is John Sullivan, and he's the former Democratic chair or co-chair of the New York State Democratic Party. And he's here to share his thoughts on what the future from Andrew Cuomo holds. So, John, what do you think? Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on your program again. I always enjoy being your guest. What do I think? Um, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, And as to the governor, you know, he is really best in a crisis. He showed it, showed it time and time again. And um, some people don't agree with what they consider heavy-handedness. On the other hand, he successfully managed us to get off the freckle, so to speak, in the early part of the pandemic. And now as it's starting to come back, he's still you know, remaining steady at the till of the, of the ship. So I think it's a... It's a great credit to his leadership that we've, in New York at least, been able to stem the tide um, to some extent. But, I mean, it's a catastrophe nationwide. It's a failure of leadership, particularly on the, on the uh, national level. And uh, until there is a change, and there will be in 60 days at least, uh, things are not going to do, we're not going to do well. Mm. So you've known the governor for quite a while. When he stepped up to the plate, when he stepped up to the plate and started doing the news briefings every day, and he gained national prominence because of it. Um, is it what you expected? Yeah, I think he took command of a situation, demonstrated. Uh, his ability to make change and, and lead. I mean, that's what it's all about, leadership. Who was it who said uh, lead, follow, or get out of the way? And the right. problem we, on the federal level is we have no leadership. We have a president who's abandoned any thought of trying to control, controlling this pandemic. Keeps saying we've turned the corner. I don't know what corner we're on. <clears throat> and then now <laughs> he, won't even, he won't even agree to a, Normal transition of power. I mean, come on. You know, so right. I think I think the governor is to be lauded. However, there's almost like too much of a good thing. Sometimes you can overplay your hand, so you got to be careful. You don't want to be on everybody's plate every single day, and that's I think one uh-huh. of the problems with the president. He the president thrives on attention. Andrew demands right. attention when it is important, and so there's a there's a great deal of difference. But he, that that having been said, uh, his critics will still be critical and claim that mm-hmm. he's you know heavy-handed. Um, but I think the the proof is in the pudding, and he's he's done well. Yeah, uh, interestingly, you know, I I don't see him leaving. Yeah. People are saying he might take a job at the. Biden administration. I don't think so. First of all, he won't leave office in the middle of a pandemic. Now, mm-hmm. will he seek a fourth term? I think that's that's uh, highly probable. 
in part because I think he may want to outdo his father by actually winning a fourth term. You know, by the time Mario Cuomo ran for a fourth term, he had literally worn out his welcome, particularly in upstate New York. And he got uh, he got 17% of the vote in Oswego wow. County, my home county, 1994. Mm-hmm. Now, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse would have done better than that. So I think Andrew is um, buoyed by the thought of being able to outdo his dad. And if he could win a fourth term, that's something his father couldn't do psychologically, mm-hmm. I think that would be a great accomplishment uh, for him. So I think 2022 beckons for Andrew. Then uh, after that, there's nothing else to conquer. And that's when he might accept some type of a uh, job with the administration, maybe even a Supreme Court seat. Can you imagine that? If a Supreme Court seat were to be offered, that would be kind of a one-upping his father one more time because Mario was very right. often for a Supreme Court seat, never got it. So, so if Andrew can get a fourth term, wind up on the Supreme Court, for him that would be the ultimate hallelujah. So, you know, the, the talk for, for many years was that uh, Cuomo had higher aspirations, you know, and those higher aspirations were the White House. So now that Biden has won, and in the event that something happens and uh, Ms. Harris steps up to the plate and becomes the first woman president, that leaves Andrew Cuomo out in the cold, doesn't it? Pretty much. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. So um, you don't see him fulfilling his dream of becoming president of the United States? I, you know, if you're to ask me uh, on a one to 10 scale, I'd say there's about a, a two, it's about a two, maybe only a 20% yeah. chance of that happening. That doesn't mean it won't happen. Who knows? Anything can happen, but uh, clearly he'd yeah. be qualified, but I, it just doesn't look like the stars are lining up for him in that, in that uh, fashion. At least now. I have, I have spoken to people that um, I've asked this question. If COVID never happened, would uh, Trump win the second term? And the answer I get unanimously is yes. So if COVID never happened and Trump wins a second term, won a second term, then that would put Andrew Cuomo in the running to 2024. Would you agree with that? Um, I think generally, yes. I, you know, you have to take a look at this election, analyze it from several different standpoints. You know, Trump lost. That's, that's clear, even though he won't admit it. He lost the election by almost 5 million votes. He lost in all the key uh, states that were the the swing states by significant mm-hmm. amounts. He's losing the Electoral College by the same amount as he won it uh, four years ago, which he was saying was a tremendous victory, 306 electoral votes. But uh, 
70 million people voted for this guy. That, to me, is the real eye-opener. Um, I was reading a post that a friend of mine put on Facebook who is a very well-known local, very well-respected Republican, former department head at SU, and she, she summed it up. Well, let me read it to you. He lost the election, but he succeeded in training 70 million Americans to believe only him. His supporters will even turn on Fox or on their own evangelical pastors if they fail to toe the line for Donald Trump. I hope we dodge this bullet. I never fully understood until this election the lethal danger Donald Trump poses to America. He shreds our norms, destroys our institutions, demonizes the quote-unquote others, puts our national security at risk, lies incessantly, demands total loyalty, abides no criticism, and respects no one. This is the (laughs) stuff dictators are made of. While he throws his temper tantrum, the transition is delayed, the virus spreads, and national security is threatened. He has this power because 70-plus million American citizens gave it to him with their votes. That's what needs to be changed. Wow. So, you know, we're getting off topic a little bit, but, you know, this talk of Trump winning in, I'm sorry, running in 2024, um, you think that's a possibility? Well, he'll be, what, 78, 79 years old. Of course, that's how old Joe Biden is. I guess it's a possibility. I I guess it all depends on what happens between now and the beginning of the Biden term and then what happens during the Biden term. I hope people will come to their senses. Uh, I I hope that Joe Biden, being a a man of ethical um, persuasion and, and a man of great empathy can begin to turn around some of these people who've become cult followers of, uh, of, of Trump. What I do think we need is a Republican party that is not so completely subservient to Donald Trump. And uh, even you know, here we are at a point where they won't even allow use of office space and so forth. They won't even acknowledge the uh, the transition, and that's and people like Mitch McConnell, well, they're just an, an abject embarrassment. And democracy doesn't work if we can't count on our leaders on these issues. I think it was uh, Thomas Jefferson who said, "A people who believe they can be both free and ignorant believe that which never has been and never can be." A democracy presupposes an informed electorate. And that's the problem here. We've got an electorate that is ill-informed Ill and, and purposely and intentionally uh, uninformed or given false information and led to believe that it's true. Uh, that's really a danger to our democratic institutions uh, more than anything else. But a lot of people have access to the Internet 
and they have access to bright people, thinkers, um, people who kind of understand what's really going on, but the average person doesn't dig that deep. Would you agree? Well, I think, let me give you an example. My my brother-in-law is a Trump supporter. We had a conversation. We were arguing about, and I forget what, but finally I said, listen, the facts are blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, I don't give a damn about the facts. I said, oh, okay. Well, why am I talking to you then? It makes no sense. I can't persuade you. If the facts don't matter, how do you get issues? How do you get clarity? You don't. And our system is based upon our ability to give and take. Sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug. That's the way it goes. And there has to be some degree, some willingness to compromise. Uh-huh. And, and the facts do matter. So as long as we, we have a uh, separate set of facts, who was it? I think it was uh, Pat Moynihan who said, you know, you're entitled to your point of view, but you're not entitled to your own facts. And that that's so true. Um, right. But somehow we've got to, we've got to get better. There's been a, a failure of civic education here. And I, I um, personally think it traces back to the demise of the uh, fairness doctrine during the Reagan administration. That's when I think when we began to go to hell in a handbasket, when all of a sudden it was not any longer required to present two sides of an issue on, on the radio and on TV. And then the likes of, mm-hmm. of Limbaugh and so forth, Glenn Beck and others came, came about. They didn't have to present both sides. And, uh, and then Fox News, there's a whole, I've been reading the uh, book Hoax by Brian Stelter, very revealing mm-hmm. in terms of the role Fox News has played. So Rupert Murdoch has been a tremendous influence on not only American politics, but politics in Great Britain, politics in Australia, and mm-hmm. I, I would say a nefarious influence. So I think um, we need to get back mm-hmm. a little bit to square one and try to present two sides of every issue and realize that what we're really arguing about is at the margin. of everything we agree on. It's that 10% or how we're going to get there that we tend to disagree on. But once we start labeling each other, once we start dismissing Uh each other, once we refuse to take a look at the facts, then there's, there's no way out. And uh, who was it? I think I'm always quoting uh, uh, Soren Kierkegaard, a Dutch philosopher who said, if you can label me, then you can dismiss me. And how true that is. Put a label mm-hmm. on somebody, Sleepy Joe, uh, Crooked Hillary, whatever. Somebody came okay. up with landslide, landslide Trump. Uh, or actually, yeah. landslide Biden. You know, label somebody, then you don't have to pay attention to anything they say. And, and that's plain, that's what is called ignorance. It's plain simple ignorance and ignorance is not going to sustain a democratic republic well you know 
you talk about two sides of every issue, and of course there are two sides, but you have Fox, you have CNN, and you have MSNBC. Mm-hmm. It's what, uh, CNN and MSNBC are not going to give you both sides of the issue, and neither is Fox. So we, the the people who are inclined to think like like Republicans, they're going to listen to Fox. And the people who are progressive, they're going to listen to MSNBC. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Do you? Um, no, I, I don't. But I don't view MSNBC and CNN as purveyors of disinformation. I do view Fox as a purveyor of disinformation and misinformation and lack of information in terms of what they focus on. I think they've got an, they've got a definitive edge about their reporting. They're playing to a base, and I don't. To some extent, you could say that about, is a, true about MSNBC. There's some other commentators there who are who could be compared to Fox commentators in terms of their their sticking to one side or the other, as as against the other. But for the most mm-hmm. part they're they're still purveying facts. They're reporting news. And CNN I think uh, is probably really more in the middle. At least they report the news. But we, when you don't really report the news, you report your version of the events. Right. And you get millions of people watching you. Um our democracy is headed to, to hell in a handbasket. So, um, as far as the state of New York, I don't see, because you talked about Trump and the cult of Trump, I don't see anybody in New York State who has the oomph to challenge Cuomo in two years. What do you think? I think basically it's a cakewalk for Andrew Cuomo. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think it'll be a cakewalk because, you know, his father found out that you can stay too long at the, at the dance. Now, the question for Andrew will be, is that is that the same, will the same be true for him? We don't know what's going to happen in the next two years, but, and we don't know right. whether somebody might emerge as a, as a, Know, strong challenger to him. You're right, as of right now, that doesn't appear to be the case. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, but you, you can wear out your welcome. Any politician, you know, it's interesting. One of the things to me that uh, I always say is the danger about getting into politics. You need to know when to exit stage left. And most politicians... Right don't know when to get off the stage. They want to stay on the stage forever. And um, I'm always quoting uh, Kenny Rogers as the uh, great political philosopher who said, you got to know when to hold them, you got to know when to fold them, you got to know when to walk away, and you got to know when to run. And getting to know when to exit stage left is important. Look at Mitch McConnell. 
I mean, he can't he can't do anything but focus on holding in onto whatever power he has left. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in Georgia in January. Right. I mean, I think right. that the focus should be on the do nothing Republicans. The fact that they have here we are in a in a pandemic. And they're not having any plan to distribute the vaccine. There's no transition plan. Our president is fanning the flames of discrediting our democratic institutions. And people like McConnell and others are standing by silently, silently. And you know what Eli Wiesel, I think, said about that. I can't think of the exact quote, but if you don't speak up, you're, you're just as you might as well be aligned with the person who's destroying the uh, the country and uh, throwing a two month hissy fit as far as I'm concerned is going to accomplish nothing, but we have to remember that we have to remember in Georgia on January 5th, what McConnell did and is doing. We have a chance to throw out the last big bum in Mitch McConnell. We can do that by electing two Democrats in Georgia in, in January. And I, firmly hope that that will be the case. Now, if that is the case, and there's a Democratic majority in the Senate and in the House, the presidency is going to be Democratic. Do you think they're going to get everything they want? No, not everything. Okay. Uh, You know, there's... The Democratic Party is a big tent. There are the Andrea or, or Ortiz Cortezes of the world. There are um, the Bernie Sanders of the world. There, are, you know, um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You hope that the overall focus of the agenda, which is to find a way to deliver health care to people, you know, secure our borders, have a fair system of immigration, recognize the people who are here who, for whatever reason, um, maybe were not uh, legal in their entry into the country, but have been here for years and years and have had children. That's a problem that needs to be dealt with. And there are many, many problems we need to deal with. Infrastructure, my goodness. Our bridges are crumbling. Our roads are are in disarray. Our uh, trains are, you know, 1950s. Uh, mm-hmm. We we have so much to do, but if we can begin to focus on what what it is that's going to build back this nation, and let some of these other um, pie in the sky at the moment at least ideas. Uh, Keep those, keep those at bay and try to agree as much as we can and advance an agenda that is more in the middle, I think that would better better serve the country. So, you know, uh, the country is split right in half, 50-50 more. Well, fortunately, and... it's more like 51-49. I mean, we <clears throat> I can't forget that uh, Biden won by 5 million votes and that he carried the significant uh, swing state. So he, we've, we've got a slight edge, but that's all it is, is a slight edge. And uh, do you think, you know, I mean, 
Cuomo is not the kind of person that will go quietly into the sunset. I'm sure he wants to voice, you know, as the the next administration, you know, takes power. What do you yeah, see I, on I the horizon? Yeah, I, I think that so he, I, uh, being being the strong governor that he is, is well positioned to help New York rather than hurt New York. You know, we find Trump trying to be retributive toward New York, even saying, well, New York doesn't need to get the vaccine because Cuomo said blah, blah, blah. Or they tried right. at one point to, uh, what was it with the immigration system? They they cut out New York's um, pass to other, forget what it was called, but they eliminated a program that was like a visa program just for New York. I mean, New York was discriminated against. And certainly we're being discriminated against in terms of uh, aid when, you know, New York was hit the hardest and the money to help solve that problem has been withheld intentionally. And, you know, it's like red state, blue state. And the great thing that Joe Biden says is it's not red state, blue state to him. He's going to work just as hard for those who didn't vote for him as those who did. And, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a breath of fresh air. But Andrew stands in a position, I think, to uh, maximize the influence of New York and to help New York with the uh, with Biden and the White House. So he's mm-hmm. you're right; he's not a shy violet. He's not going to stand down. He's going to do everything he can, and and he's going to remain on the stage. And I think he probably will run for reelection. Probably will succeed, and then he'll be looking for a, a uh, an additional. Uh, line to his legacy, like Supreme Court judge, something like that. Well, when when I had spoken to uh, Bill Samuels the day that they announced that Biden had secured the 270, um, Bill Samuels said that Andrew Cuomo will continue to run for re-election until he's defeated at the polls. That might be four terms, maybe even longer. Would you agree with that? I think that he'll go for a fourth term. But once he achieves it, if he does, I think he'll then branch out in different directions. That would just be my prediction, having observed his behavior through the years. I could be wrong. Bill's a very bright guy, and he's very smart. I don't usually disagree with him, but on this on this point, I would, I would disagree. Hey, I wanted to mention to you... Uh, I'm, I'm now the author of not three, but four books. My, my fourth book, The Live 25 and Hi-Fi Jive, Memoirs of a Teenage Disc Jockey, just hit Amazon.com. It's a short book. It's a good read, and it's, a, it's available in paperback and Kindle on Amazon.com. And it tells the story of my young years from 14 to 24 as I was when I was a uh, literally a disc jockey and takes you kind of behind the scenes in local radio. And uh, you particularly, as you're interested in radio, be a good read, Cynthia. Yeah. And if you're a baby boomer, yeah. you know, there's a soundtrack that goes along with the book. Oh, cool. So yeah. you've been listening to John Sullivan, who is retired uh, Democratic State Chairman, Co-Chairman, and Bill, uh, John, I will have you on the program to talk about your new book. 
I'm Cynthia Fuller. This, this is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you. Have a great day. John, thank you for being on the show. Bye. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Cynthia. Take care. Thank you.